this, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebounding Safety. Today we are kind of doing our diversity mini series again, but kind of not. The f- series kind of just fizzled out. Not anyone's fault. Just loads of interviews just all kind of got rescheduled at the same time and we weren't able to get it in on time. Um, but these, this is one of the conversations that we were going to have as part of that mini series. So just presume that it's carried on basically. Today we're going to talk about women in fire safety. Let's jump into the intro and tell you some more about it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution or one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is the YouTube channel podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit subscribe follow whatever the button is on whatever platform you are listening slash watching on rebounding safety is brought to you by us at risk fluent um risk fluent is a risk culture safety health fire safety consultancy essentially um there's loads of stuff we can do to help you out whether it's a basic kind of technical health and safety that traditional kind of get the jobs done stuff or the more transformational culture change, behavioral human factors stuff. Um, we love to get involved in that stuff as well. So if you need any help, any support, then check out the website below, riskfluentlimited.com. And we can have a chat and see how we can help. So today we are talking about women in fire safety with two lovely ladies uh, joining us, um, one by the name of Fiona Perrin and the other by the name of Emily Harrison. I shall let them introduce themselves in a minute, um, but ultimately we have a great chat about all of the work they're doing um, to kind of promote diversity within the fire safety sector and specifically the work that they're doing um, with the Institution of Fire Engineers and the group, the Institute of Fire Engineers, Women in Fire Engineering Networking Group, uh, which is all focused around kind of building that that community and that network of getting people in um, that are a bit more adding some diversity, like I say, and creating a bit of a safe space and, and ultimately promoting the career within fire safety as as a viable career option for for many people out there. So we're going to talk all about that stuff in today's episode. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Fiona and Emily. Now, since Zoom have done that update where they make you click back in the day, if I had anyone that was nervous or I I wouldn't even say I'm going to press record, I would just press record and let her talk for a little bit and then go, oh, by the way, I've been recording for like 20 minutes. And then it was, it was so good. It was really like, and I know a few podcasters that said they did the same thing to like help people just go, oh shit. Okay. This is not that bad. Um, now, thanks to zoom, we, we can't do that anymore, which is oh, yeah. my tactic is ruined, but <laughs> damn privacy laws. I know. Right. Terrible. It's like data security gone mad. Eh? They should have done for us in safety. Conkers yeah. um, bonkers. I know, right? Um, welcome to the podcast, both of you. Thank you very much for coming on. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourselves, uh, and then and then we'll get into a, a general chit chat about um, women in fire safety, which I think will be interesting. Who wants to go first? Are you nodding at me, Emily? <laughs> yeah. Why do you go first? 
Um, so my name's Fiona. Uh, I'm the um, Health, Safety and, and Fire Manager at the Royal Academy of Arts in London. Um, I have ooh, almost 20 years experience in safety um, and, and probably, you know, so close to, to, to sort of 10 in um, so fire safety um, as, well as, as well as safety um, and have recently qualified um, as a fire engineer. Nice. You know, for the last 10 years, I've been um, building up my, my sort of safety knowledge into um, but now becoming an engineer, which is um, exciting. Um, and, yeah, I met Emily through um, our Women in Fire Engineering group um, that we've been running for, for the last year. Awesome. Cool. I'm uh, Emily Harrison. I am Group Fire Safety Manager at Unite Students. Um, I've done a number of years in fire safety. My previous roles were sort of fire safety manager roles. Um, and then previous to that, I um, was inspect an inspecting officer. Um, so, yeah, very sort of background there as well. Not quite up to the fire engineering that uh, Fiona's got yet, but I'm on my way there. Um, mm. And the group is certainly supportive of that as well. So, yeah, we both sit on the committee for the Women in Fire Engineering Networking Group for the IFE, um, where Fiona sort of sits as vice president and I'm one of the other committee members. Awesome. So just so it's called women in fire engineering. We're going to talk more about that probably later, but just to clarify it, you don't have to be an engineer to be on it. You could be a fire risk assessor as well, or manager that has fire safety within your remit. Correct. I, I think they have a tagline and I'll, I'll get in trouble for getting it wrong probably, <laughs> but it's, it's basically the, the professional organization for the, the fire safety yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, so you're absolutely right. There's different levels of membership. Um, for different um, you know, different qualifications and, and lots of different people from all walks of life um, and, and different jobs as well. You don't, definitely don't have to be a fire engineer. Yeah, awesome. Also, I thought it's good because a lot of people, I'm a member of the IFE as well, and a lot of people think that, that oh, you're an engineer. And I'm like, I am the furthest thing from an engineer you are. <laughs> Like, I can't even remember my date of birth, let alone do some crazy calculations about stuff. No, not a chance, not a chance. Oh, right. So, I mean, I'm curious just to how, how did you, how did you kind of stump? So Emily, you were kind of fire service and fire. So like fire was early on in your career then, if you're in a fire service, was it, or was it? Not really. I uh, used to be a police officer. <laughs> so prior to that, I was a police officer. Um, and I um, joined the fire service initially working in community safety. So um, we would go out and basically to people who are vulnerable within the community uh, fit them with sort of smoke alarms, offer fire safety advice, that kind of thing. And that's how I came across the fire protection officer role. Oh. So um, I then moved into fire protection um, where we are with the enforcing authority for that area. Um, and we would go out and audit premises against the regulatory reform fire safety order. Mm. Um, so that's sort of how I got I, I got into fire safety. Really, really great sort of role from my perspective. Um, probably got a bit bored, if I'm honest. Um, and then moved on into um, being a fire safety manager. Mm. So my first role sort of as a fire safety manager was actually with English Heritage. So that was really, really interesting working with sort of historic buildings. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of how I then got into it and then moved on to Unite Students after that. So, yeah, very different, but great sort of at the same time and, and got me into so many different buildings as well um, as part of that. So, yeah. I didn't feel any, did you just kind of get fire naturally from your kind of like me, like had a health and safety career and then all of a sudden fire popped in and you're like, oh, 
like how did it work for yourself yeah yeah it, very much like that actually yeah. um I spent about 12 years working at the BBC and for the for a long time I looked after um the international offices so there was 100 plus um offices around the globe often in uh, more challenging locations and I would um, be tasked with the job of going out there I'd run training I'd do safety inspections but also looking at sort of fire risks as well um, I'd, of course I'd done the five-day fire risk assessors course brilliant you do. but it does not prepare you for you know even beginning to assess you know complicated high-rise buildings that are just not built to the same standards whatsoever yeah um so really realized quite quickly how um incompetent i was <laughs> um so i started off doing a, a diploma that i, I think they call the cfpa um diploma in, in sort of fire uh, protection and management um which put me in quite good stead actually um and was able to really offer a lot more um fire safety advice um, to our officers and work with um, you know, project management teams when we're making improvements. So instead of just going, mm, I think you're missing a fire detector there, I was able to offer them lots more advice on where they should have them or what sort of fire alarm systems they needed and, and you know, passive fire protection. Yeah. Um, and then um, started to work more in the UK, working with big sort of production companies and um big shows and stuff and, and and again I sort of started to realize actually I'm starting to make a lot of judgment calls and I felt like although I had a lot of knowledge I, I still wasn't comfortable in in myself of course after Grenfell a lot of questions were being asked around the competence of fire professionals um, and felt that I wanted to you know extend that that knowledge further um, and there's not a great deal of courses out there actually for, for people looking um, uh, to a work part-time around the family um, and you know while while studying so um, I picked fire engineering without really understanding <laughs> fully <laughs> I'm like yeah we use fire engineers all the time yeah they're super knowledgeable and um, yeah it was it was a bit of a shock to the system doing a uh, you know the full-on maths and, and everything um after after so long but um no, it was great I really enjoyed it made some you know wonderful contacts learned some amazing things and it's and now you know I still work in health and safety but with fire as well and, and for beautiful historic building but I'm able to use those skills like to such um you know an advanced sort of level now um, I don't know. I'm I'm slowly starting to feel like I'm I'm competent to do my job. Tipping away at the imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're all there. We're all there. Definitely. <laughs> I, I think you touch on a, on a on the re the reason you took it exactly kind of where I wanted to go with it, Fiona. So well done. That um, because I I I struggle with like. I feel like it's a specialism, fire safety. Um, I feel like maybe real low risk buildings. Like if I had, so I had a, a, a client ring up the other day and was like, um, so I, I knew him from, from outside anyway. And it was, oh, James, can I get some advice on how to pick a, a fire risk assessor? And I was like, well, I can do it for you. Uh, um, but if you want to go to someone else, then, you know, the NFCC, I've done some stuff. And he was like, but my boss kind of wants me to do it, must, like me to do it. 
And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Tell me about your operations. Um, and if he'd have turned around and said it was, you know, re- reasonably low risk, it was just like, I don't know, a series of maybe little shops or something where in and out, whatever. Um, I might have been like, yeah, cool. But like started explaining it was like, oh, we, we do welding over here. Then we do a different type of welding over here. And we've got explosive atmospheres over here. And that's a disease. And I'm like, mate, no, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> just don't do it. OK, like if you're not sure, you, you and it's, it's a no, 100 percent. And then in my experience was like NHS and housing, like no way would we like same as you, Fiona, like did that kind of five-day course in, in fire risk assessing and went into the NHS and was like, yeah, I can do fire assessments. Yeah, fine. I've done them in like a little factory. I can do fire assessments. And they were like, just going to send you with our like little fire guru for like a couple of weeks, James, to see how it goes. Went to like one hospital in Lincolnshire and was like, uh... Um, and then I literally just shadowed him and another guy, which if it wasn't for those two, I could have never done the fire assessments that I do now. So like, I've literally got my career to thank for those two. Um, I mean, you know, the the three pillars of competence, you're right. It's, it's experience is a, is a big one because there's so much you don't learn, you know, in, in the books, uh, on those courses, so to speak. You're absolutely right. I was even ringing them yesterday. I went to do a job of, of like a really, really old factory. Uh, it's been around forever. Crammed loads of machines into there. And I'd got there and they were like, oh, no, we don't have any detection. And I was like, okay, I kind of get that because the machines would be setting off all day long. So I kind of get that. Uh, but then they were like, they're telling me about this fire. And I was like, so your alarms did go off. But how how did your alarms go off if it was out of hours? No one knew. How did you? And they were like, oh, the sprinklers set it off. And I've been doing fire assessments for a long time and I'd never come across that. Um, and I, so immediately I'm texting my uh, my old mentor and I'm like, dude, is this a thing? Like, can this actually? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you later. And like, <laughs> rang me the next day and, and I'd been and done the sign. I'd seen it, obviously. And I was just like, I was like, I've got a complicated one here, mate. Like the means of escape from the top floor literally goes into a hazard room and like, then it goes back out into like a protected staircase and then they've got central wooden step. And I'm like, and it's a rabbit's warren, but like, I can't tell them to like build new staircase. It's like a, it's a terrace block with a factory in the middle of it. That's been around since the frigging 1800s, probably. Um, but what I do, and he's like, you're right in the description. You just say, it's an old building. This is when it was built. And I, even now, and I've been doing it many years now, he's still, he is still that, that font level of, of experience. And you're right. It is so powerful. But the reason why, the reason why I wanted to talk about that was because, and I think about if I'm trying to say to, so like a young woman to say, why don't you consider a career in fire safety? Not only have we got the normal difficulties that you might assume that it's like a male dominated profession, which it is. And we can, we'll talk about that in a minute as well. We've got weird issues like, okay, fine. I, I, I'll do that. What qualifications should I get? <laughs> That's a really good question. Like it's really yeah. hard to get into fire safety. I find like just from, unless maybe you've, you've had a long career in the fire service first. Um, I don't know, like the engineering route is interesting. Um, but I think that's a big issue is just general in routes qualification wise. I think mm. we've got a bit of an issue there. Because there is a degree in 
fire safety management now, I think. Um, Is that really yeah, she might like she a... might know more about this. Um, yeah. So there are there are avenues. There's you know the diploma I did as well, fire safety management. Um, so there are there are options that aren't too sort of engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not straightforward. I mean, the amount of people that we see that have kind of fire as their their second or third or fourth kind of career, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 really really common. So you read the sort of ex-fire fire and rescue, or 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 you've come from you know other avenues, maybe safety or or construction, um, you know, building surveying or or, or you know on the tools yeah. um, through and up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I started with doing the level four diploma, so I completed the level four diploma when I was working for fire and rescue service, and that's the an- sort of the answer at the moment. That's certainly what's you know the outcome of the Grenfell inquiry and, not, and, and all of that kind of thing. That's quite it's, new, is it? That that one, Emily? Um, I did it what 2017, 2018, something like that. Okay, so it's not that um, yeah, it must have been back then at some point, I believe. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's been around for a while from yeah. my understanding but yeah so I did the level level four diploma and then most recently I've just completed my level five diploma in fire engineering design which is sort of my entryway into fire engineering and going and studying that at degree level yeah. so very much I've, I've sort of gone through that route of, of working my way up but for a lot of people they can't just go in and do the diploma they have to go and do the level three prior I was really lucky with the rest fire and rescue service I was at they kind of had an understanding with the provider that they would provide us with a level of training to be able to start at level four. So that was, that was quite good from there. But I certainly found that the modules that you do as part of the level four diploma were really, really useful. Um, And I use that. I work with health and safety professionals as well, who have fire as an extra arm and have done in my previous role. Um, And I definitely feel that that sort of level four it feels about right as to but select the modules of it feels about right for a health and safety professional to have that extra arm okay. and then obviously that's been further confirmed with the IFE coming out with sort of elements and the NFCC around inspecting officers and where they need to be at um as, as sort of further confirms that but that that route for me was, was sort of great and I think just going back to what you were previously talking about James one of the key things around when you were talking about you know when you come across those places where you just go oh my goodness I've not come across this before yeah one of the great things I think about the group that we've got and the networking group is that if you don't know the answer you know somebody who does or you can contact somebody who does and I think to me that's what makes a really really good fire safety professional is that you're aware of your limitations you need to know the limitations of your knowledge the limitations of your ability and don't act out of side of those limitations and and it's not a weakness at all. Well, you know, some people might see that as a weakness. It's not a weakness at all. It's it's a strength, if anything, because you're going, do you know what? Hang on. I don't quite know the answer to that, but I will go and find out for you. And then you're coming back with a much more robust answer for them. And I think that's one of the really great things about having the group is that you're able to do that within within sort of that, that area as well. And the IFE has so many other groups. You know, they have special interest groups on certain topics. They have branches where there's that network as well um, to offer that. But, um, yeah, certainly get that from the Women in Fire Engineering group as well. Yeah. 
I actually, when uh, when I came across that building, because it was so old, Alan was number one on my list, who's my old mentor. Um, and then actually, Emily, you were the second on the list because of your history yes. in, in heritage. So <laughs> if anyone that knows what to do with an old building, it's going to be Emily, like 100%. It was up there, it was up there. Yeah. But Alan had the answer. Well, was so, it, sorry, yeah. Fiona, I can't remember now who was in, one of you is in, in heritage, what, Fiona, was it you? Well, we're both. You both know. <laughs> Both of you there. Help me now, James. You were stripping off. I'm going to go this in a rabbit hole here, just... haven't I? Throw <laughs> <laughs> me a rope, quick. I've ruined it. Uh, anyway, I had, uh, I'll be honest, what I had, I was like, ladies from podcast, one is heritage. And then I was like, I need, I need to link a uh, LinkedIn check. It is the truth I had. Uh, that's what I had written in my notes. But luckily, Alan rang. So, so it was all right. But yeah, it's, um, I, it, it's such an interesting. I can't, I'm doing loads of fire assessments at the minute, which it's just kind of fascinating because I've been out, I've only been out of it maybe for about a year and a half. I feel like I've forgotten it all. Like mm-hmm. I'd gone into some of these weird buildings and I was just like, whoa, you know, God, what is this? What's an L4 again? What's L1 again? Like, and I couldn't remember any of it. So that was, that was kind of interesting. Anyway, let's bring it back to the original point then. Like is, is fire safety? Let's just straight up ask, is it a career for women? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I think it's growing in terms of the amount of women that are coming into the sector now. I know, Fiona, I, I don't know if you've got the figures sort of from mm. um, the, the IFE in terms of members um, at the moment, and I'm sure you'll be able to expand on those further. I'll pass over to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's still really low, and I'm sure it's you know no surprise to, to anyone. Um, I've got some of them in front of me. So the, so the IFE, this was late last year, the figures, um, over 11,000 members across all of their grades. Um, only 815 of those were female. Is, is it IFE so, international or just UK? I can't remember. It, it, it is international. The I stands for institution, not international but it is it is an international organization they have branches um overseas as well um but uh yeah so it's you know it's a massive massive difference so seven percent of its members are are, are female so um but when you break that down um, a little bit more um actually what you can see is there's a massive number of, of young women coming into the industry so Things like sixteen um, percent of student members are females, so that's way more than the average. Fifteen percent of associate members are, are female, so again, maybe they're just getting yeah. getting on the rungs. Um, but as you move up um, to like so, so the full member grade um, with yeah. IFE, only four percent are female. Yeah. So, um, you know, the higher you get um, up those rungs, the, the less uh, female. So we're hoping one of the, the aims of the group is not only to, to support and develop the, the women um, within the group, but is also to help inspire, um, you know, females to, to get into the fire industry. Because yeah. um, I think it is changing. I mean, you've been in safety for our gents. I remember the safety industry 20 years ago. Oh, um, you know, I would walk into a, an IOSH branch meeting and there would just be a handful of, of women. Um, and it's very similar like that now. handful um, of women. You went to a diverse group then because mine was. It was the it was the London branch uh, <laughs> uh, group. And so there was a few. But, you know, often it would be, um, well, do I dare say old, old white men 
Um, it was, yeah. I just, and, and many still are, in my opinion. But, yeah. And I, I think they've got... Safety's the same. Often people come into yeah. safety as a second career as well. Um, in fact, I, I trained originally as an occupational therapist. Okay. So, you know, it was even a, a second um, career for me, and that was 20 years ago. I'm showing my age a little bit, aren't I? Um, but it's, yeah... <laughs> It is dominant, and it will take almost a generation yeah. um, to, to sort of change that. Um, but we need more, not just more females, but more male allies as well, people like yourself, James, to help champion um, women and, and kind of you know, give, give women a chance in, in the industry. I, th I, th I think for, for me, it's like I remember it was February, the February before COVID, which feels like a millennia ago now. But what was that? 20. When did this all start? 20. Not so two years ago, 20, 2020. 2020. Oh, God. I, knew, I was like 2018, Ooh. 20. That's how long <laughs> ago it feels. Um, and, and I remember a prominent uh, person from one of the biggest professional memberships for safety um, was like, um, 70% of the profession is going to retire in like the next mm. 10 years or something like that. I can't remember. Mm. And I remember just thinking, wow, mm. like, I mean, are we, do we not want to talk about that? Like, seriously, like they're, they're, well, they're just going to disappear and we're, we're left to pick up the pieces. Like what we really need to talk about that. And it wasn't so long after that, that I read the book rebel ideas, which anyone that's listened to my podcast for a long time would be like, Oh, here he, here he fucking goes because right? I talk about this all the time but it was that book that got me like addicted to like increasing diversity and at least shouting as much as I can from the podcast about it because it was just mind-blowing that this concept of like cognitive diversity or more commonly people call it diversity of thought which I just think like phenomenal and and I got a real realization as to what that actually looks like when my wife was pregnant I've done maternity risk assessments for years, right? Before Sherry was pregnant. And the the little minutiae that I learned from just having a good relationship with my wife and seeing what she was dealing with and her talking to me, I was like, you know what? I've never ever thought of like how many times that woman needs to go for a wee. Like, and like that that's something we need to have a conversation about. Like, you're gonna need to go for a wee, like a lot. Like, are you like in the right place? Or how can I help you? Blah, blah, blah. And just silly little things like that, that I was just like, wow. Like if my wife wasn't, well, she was really lucky we had COVID. So like in a way it was kind of helpful to us because she just worked from home for the whole time. And that was amazing for her. But I remember sitting there thinking, Jesus, imagine if you had to go to the office, like look how exhausted you are. And then that made me think about all of the maternity risk assessments I'd done and maybe not maybe definitely been very naive to that experience and that just solidified that cognitive of di that cognitive diversity for me just being being a mother of a young child myself I've got many many stories about that but just you know being able to you're right ask the right questions or, or mm -hmm. being that little bit flexible um I was actually chatting to my boss about this exact thing just today you know, um, we talk about flexible working a lot now, but in most people's minds, that's just working from home. But yet, actually, it's so much more than that. It's about flexi time around whether it's nursery or, or school pickups. 
Um, I don't actually work full time because I've, I've got a, a primary aged son. Um, and although slightly reluctant to, 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 to sort of agree to um, a slightly reduced or flexible working arrangement for me, um, he's now seen the benefits of that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you know, even today he was saying, you know, I'm just glad, you know, the work is getting done in sort of his, his words. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is so important to kind of think outside that sort of traditional um, sort of nine to five job, whether it's a mum or, uh, you know, someone with caring responsibilities or, or someone, um, you know, with a, a, a disability. Yeah. Um, you know, if we can support them in the workplace, um, make, you know, slight, well, reasonable adjustments, um, you the workplace is going to benefit, you know, significantly from that. Most definitely. And I think the amount of diversity in roles within the fire sector actually means that that is offered in so many different ways within the fire sector. One of my reasons for leaving being a police officer was work-life balance. I used to get one day off with my other half every three and a half weeks on average. Um, And after weighing up a lot of things, that's kind of what made one of the reasons that I left. Um, as well as other things where they're quite, they were quite in the past at that point, I've actually seen that, that the service I was working for has come on significantly since. But um, I think the fire sector is a lot further forward in a lot of that. Oh, really? Particularly oh. because there's a shortage of skill set, I would say, probably has forced people to adapt. So I know a lot of people who will work maybe two days a week because they don't need to work anymore because there's such a skill set shortage at the moment within, within fire. So actually, you're automatically getting that flexibility, that ability to be able to work part time. You've got a diversity of job roles as well from like fire safety advisors, fire safety managers, fire safety inspecting officers. There's, there's ranks going in within um, fire and rescue services now within their protection departments so that people have progression pathways. That's been looked at a, a little bit more from what I understand uh, more recently. You've got fire engineers, like Fiona said, you know, and there's progression pathways for them. I'll just speak to a colleague the other day who's been promoted. And and I think there are so many career pathways that are, are expanding at the moment, which I think is such a great thing for attracting more diversity to the industry. And that's what we want to shout about, really, is that, you know, this really is a job that anybody can do, because whatever you want out of that role you can do it within the fire industry. Just look into all of these different types of roles that you have, um, that there is something for everybody. And I've just talked about a handful there. There are so, so many more. Um, And I think that's the great thing. And that's the really attractive thing that I find about the fire industry that it's given me. Um, Coming from a police background, I can, I I probably went into that career more so because I like to sort of switch tasks quite quickly. So I like to be doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and so I go into a department and go a bit bored with this. I'll go and do something else. A bit bored with this, go and do something else. And what I find is that fire gives me that. So I can be dealing with fire risk assessments one minute. I can be dealing with, dealing with giving somebody advice another minute. I can be dealing with uh, building regulations another minute. You know, there's so many different things. And I think people almost, you don't see that until you're in it. You don't see how great it is until you're in it. Most Sorry. definitely, but that's my monologue anyway. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that's spot on. Like even even just even just within fire risk assessment, you're starting to see people specialize 
within or we, we just do fire assessments in the care sector or yes. you know we're specialists in the housing sector or even if you brought them together and, and have like sleeping risk or or yeah uh, we only do fire assessments specializing in manufacturing of explosive atmospheres so, you know or you're a generalist and do them all it's um it's fascinating to 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 see and then you're right within the job one minute i was literally doing a fire assessment today and one minute you're talking to guiding them on like human behavior and how people react when you when you do an alarm and best way to do drills and stuff like that and then the next minute you, you you're going through the building regs growing gray hairs and going right what purpose group is this and this is that and then all right we're in is it b or is it e or is it f or is it g or and and then and then your brain hurts you think oh, screw this i'm just going somewhere else um but yeah it's um it is it is such a fascinating i find most safety is like that actually but fire safety particularly is a in my even when i when i was in house house care house care when i was in housing um I was, my role was like kind of like yours there emily that you described and that one minute i'm in a design meeting for a block of flats we're building which was i really enjoyed doing that next minute we're we're kind of fire risk assessing which turned out to be a snagging list unfortunately most of the time for a block of flats we've just built um and then then you're in a care a little mini care home or something it, it's, it's a fascinating little career it really is um what why so you, you, you know those uh, interesting point in those stats Fiona like it seems to be getting a bit more attracted for the for the attractive for the younger side do you mm. think there's any particular reason for that like or or, or also, is there more that we could, we could or should be doing there? I suspect yes is the answer to that bit. But yeah, um, is it more attractive? Maybe maybe just people are becoming you know more aware of it um, as a as a career choice. Um, and there's definitely more we we can be doing to to support that. Um, but we, we also need to um, support the women in the industry in progressing. So the numbers over the last five years of those um, students uh, um, uh, and, and graduate and associate levels have grown significantly. But those next levels up um, still aren't um, growing or as much, shall I say. Yeah. Um, so one of the things um, our, our support group have done is things like... Um, support and mentoring to progress to member grade um, for, for our um, support network. Um, we've also done one for ING application. I went for my ING application uh, very recently um, and I had to trawl through my contacts on LinkedIn to, to find um, incorporated engineers or chartered engineers to be my referees because I just didn't have any. So, so being able to also offer um, mentors in more senior positions um, for females. And we've had an um, overwhelming um, amount, really pleasantly, of both females and males willing to, to support females kind of move up those, those rungs as well. Awesome. So it's, it's encouraging younger generation to get into fire safety, but also then supporting the ones that are here and and keeping us in the industry as well so breaking down some of those barriers so you know we don't end up leaving um when when things get tough mm. addressing those natural sort of naturally i guess female associated traits as well and the fact that i one thing that you, you've just said around you know people jumping up to that next mm. rung with the ife and that kind of thing 
Um, I remember watching a, a program with Karen Brady, Brady where she was saying how females naturally won't go and ask for a pay rise or they, were, they, were, they won't think to go for that promotion. Um, you know, a woman will look at a job description and if they don't meet 100% of it, they won't apply. A, a man may look at the job description and, yeah. and if they've got 75%, will, will most likely apply is the theory behind the, the, the data and the research that's been done. And I think that's potentially what we're seeing in, in those member figures is that actually, you know, great, we're getting women coming into the industry, you know, maybe that attraction is there. Um, and, and trying to get that out more. Of course, we want to get that out more, but actually let's make sure we nurture those who are coming into the industry and make sure that they know their worth and that actually that we go, yeah, you can do it. Look, I did it. Look, this person did it. And and you can do that too. Um, and it's providing them with the tool set, I guess, to, to do that as well, which is why we, we run the workshops. We've got more workshops coming as well. Um, we're going to be running one on EngTech um, applications moving forward as well and um, so yeah it's that that I guess is what we're, we're coming across as well isn't it I was just going to say I, I, I've been reading this book recently James if, if, okay. if you want a, a book recommendation um, yeah. uh, 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 Cheryl Sandberg she she was she worked for Google in the early days and then was like the CEO I think of, of Facebook um, and she talks a lot about what Emily's just um, saying about all the the reasons why women aren't progressing in the workplace mm. and there, there's there's sort of the obvious ones that women tend to, to sort of uh, you know end up working part-time and, and, and move out of, of, of high-powered careers but actually it's all these other hidden ones that women are more likely to suffer imposter syndrome they're more likely to sit back and and be asked to, 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 to kind of take that next step where, where men are the ones stepping forwards and volunteering for things, you're asking for pay rises, you know, um, jumping at every opportunity where um, women need to be helped and mentored and, um, you know, fostered a, a, a little bit more in, in work situations. So um, really, really good book, um, Lean In. Do you think... Um... Do you think employers need to do better at supporting that? Like, or being aware of it, at least. Like, I'm just thinking, like, now running a company, like, and I'd like, you know, I aspire for us to employ people. And I think, like, would that naturally just be something that I could just become quite blind to unless I knew about it and was really proactive with it? Or, yeah, would it be something maybe that changes over time? We, we naturally, um, you know, recruit in our own image. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's lots of these sort of statistics and, 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 and Sandberg um, quotes quite a few of them. Even, um, even like primary school teachers tend to um, ask, if, you know, they ask kids to raise their hand to answer a question, they're more likely to pick the, the, the little boys to answer the questions than the little girls. And it's so oh, ingrained okay. in so yeah yeah there's lots and lots of research about this um another example was where they had a, a, a story i can't remember at all but all they did was was change that the name of the the the, the main antagonist um and, and got a whole heap of um people to to report back what they felt about this this person and of course they felt worse or or, or more negative thoughts around this um, scenario when um, the character's name was a female name versus versus a male name. Um, so just 
knowing that there are biases um, actually is is the first step. Um, And then, you know, helping to actively um, overcome them. I've seen a few good ones recently in terms of um, uh, jobs, uh, something quite close to my heart, but actually advertising that you're open to not just work from home, but full, whether it's flexible working, part-time options, um, you know, making that really clear. um, And I think you'll find you'll get more, more really great female candidates applying. Most definitely. We've done some recruitment recently and as part of the job descriptions, I was really careful around what we put in the job descriptions to make sure that we were being open to as many people as we we could be because there is the flexibility within those roles. So let's shout about it as an organisation. I mean, the recruitment team was super open to that, which was great. Um, and, and I think that's a really great thing when you when you sort of can do that um, within within an organisation. Um, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I was um, before I went self-employed. I we were just about to, um, we were about to go on a little bit of a recruitment drive, and I had a, a few um, conversations with within Project Meletium about like my own biases. Like I, I, I know what I'm like. I would have just employed mostly like quite young, energetic people, um, and then I. But I was like, but I kind of know that actually one of the roles I want someone that's really analytical and really um technical whereas i'm not like that i'm real kind of like <laughs> behavioral cultural that that the social side of things is what i love um and then i kind of get a bit bored if i do too much of that technical stuff um and i was like right so i need a technical stuff but i'm fully aware of my bias if i get somebody let's say slightly older come for an interview I know I'll be really harsh on them like I, I, I remember having conversations with because I would just assume that they're just the same old you know old safety professional that'll be stuck in the mud and and I remember talking to the group at PM and, and there was a couple of the older professionals in the room and I was like I want to get lynched here saying this <laughs> like you know it's interesting that they then turned around and said that they had a bias previously before they had been like coached through it to younger people and that they assumed that younger people were, were, you know, stupid, didn't know anything and need loads of coaching. Like we're full of this stuff all, all, all over the place. Um, and, and it is fascinating when you, um, when you really start to address it and just say, look, I just want someone else in the room uh, or someone to proof this for me. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Really yeah. powerful. Yeah. Most definitely. Even just on what I just said then around flexible working, you know, we were talking about women then, that's you know something that men want to you know roles we're not in the 1950s all of the things that we've talked about you know affect men in in just the same way um you know roles are roles are very different um to what they were you know 50 odd years ago and i think that's so important important as well because it wouldn't surprise me if actually all of a lot of these things you know men are going through similar challenges you know they want to to have all of all of these things that that also women I guess years ago, you know, have, have wanted to have, but yeah, it's not just a, a female thing. I think it affects so, so many of us. And I, that it probably leading on to sort of the next point potentially around diversity of thought mm-hmm. um, that diversity of thought and diversity within the team, I just think is so, so valuable and acknowledging that when somebody challenges something within a meeting or challenges something that somebody says or asks a question, it's not that they, they think you're doing something wrong. That's not 
your ego doesn't need to get bruised by that. I, it excites me when people do that because I think, yes, we can be better. We're actually going to have a ro- more robust solution to this. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's a, a difficult thing in itself, particularly when you're working within a specialism. You kind of feel not only like you've got to know everything or know where to get that from, but that, you know, you're responsible for that. You know, you're leading on fire safety or you're the fire safety person, so you should know it all. Actually, do you know what? One of the ops managers might know the answer to that. Or do you know what? One of our health and safety managers may know the answer to that. Or, you know what, a director might even know the answer to that. And that's why it's so important to get the culture of fire safety within the organisation, but also that diversity within your meetings, within whatever you're doing. Because to me, that's just how you get um, the right solutions and the most robust solutions and the safest ones too. Yeah. Yeah. If you're only hiring, you know, yeah, in your in your own image, you're only ever going to get that one solution, aren't you? Exactly. Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Also, definitely. I would just hate to have a team of Jameses. Like we, I would argue with myself, what a horrible team that would be. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That, well, it's interesting, actually, as you, uh, there was something you said earlier, Emily, that made me write something down when we were, you were kind of talking about um, the the kind of risk-taking in, in uh, imply, applying for jobs. So I've heard that stat as well, that, that females um, are more likely to only apply to a job that they 100% um, are for, which I'm, I'm, and, you know, and I would as well as, as I thought as me, uh, but ultimately it's the, I'm one of those statistics as a man that I would 100% apply for a job but I haven't got everything for, hey, I never know. Um, so that's really interesting. But then it made me think about something, right? We do fire risk assessments typically as one person talking with the ops people. Um, now you get some form of cognitive diversity from the from the ops, from whoever you're, you're talking to on site, 100%. But it made me think, like, we're going to employ, like, like, a big team of fire assessors, right? And we're going to get loads of cognitive diversity, and then we're going to send you out on your own to do a fire assessment with zero cognitive diversity. And I don't know if that's a problem or not, because uh, cost-wise, to send two fully qualified fire assessors to do one job, you know, I can hear my own budget screaming, let alone anyone else's. But I, I just... I don't know. What are your thoughts? From, from being in a in a job where often you are just the sole safety person or the sole fire person going out um, quite often, that's where you, I suppose, rely on your, your debriefs, your internal team meetings, yeah. internal CPD sessions where you can share, perhaps, oh, I did this risk assessment the other day, um, and can we talk about that and yeah. present back and learn off each other in, in a slightly different way? So you're not doubling up on costs and sending loads of people out, but you might have in mentoring or shadowing opportunities, mm. um, other things that you can build in to be able to, to learn off each other, I think, is um, you know how, how you would do it. I know we were quite a big team of safety people at the BBC and we would have you know, monthly, um, you know, uh, get together CBD sessions where a different person would present on their sort of speciality um, and, yeah. and kind of learn that way. I think that's why your network is so important, though, as well, yeah. internally and externally. So um, it's recognising what people, what your network internally gives you and what your network externally gives you and how you're growing as a result of that. And I think that's why that's so important. Like for me, I mean, as part of my role currently, I don't actually do fire risk assessments like that in terms of as part of that. However, 
for me, it's really, really important that I've got that skill set within what I do because I do need it on a day-to-day basis because we are doing it on a dynamic basis yeah. with, with fire safety management. And I think I'm very, very conscious of comparing myself to other people within the industry and who else is doing a similar role, what qualifications have they got and, and, and things like that, But which can be an unhealthy thing as much as a healthy thing, don't get me wrong. But I do think that's really, really important to make sure you've got a network internally and externally to check that knowledge and check that ability because I think it's really really easy to become quite insular within a within a role and that's then I guess the danger you know because you you are going and seeing particularly if you get the same risk assessor you know year in year out going to the same property and they work for that company as well you know then they get, you become blind to those hazards, don't you? Because you've seen that something is in a certain place every single time. And maybe the first time you sort of went, oh, well, actually, I know so-and-so is going to move that in a minute because I've asked them to do it, so it doesn't matter. But actually then the next time you go back and it's still there, no, they haven't, right? Okay, we need to deal We need to deal with that. But it's becoming, you're becoming blind to those things, aren't you? Mm. Um, so it, it is that, net, that networking is so key. And again, linking back to how we know each other, the Women in Fire Engineering Network is so, so key to that for me. You know, I've got links within that network. I've got links within the elsewhere within the IFE. I've got other people who do similar roles within the housing sector, within the student accommodation sector, who I regularly catch up with. And that's part of my working day as well as my evenings to make sure that I'm doing my best so I can go to work and be unite and I can go, I know that, I'm taking in all of this mm. and that this is the best thing for Unite to do. And I think that's that's a lot of like personal responsibility, but actually linking back again to another point earlier on that was from what Fiona was saying around the figures, that's what we need to build in women. Because actually if we've got women that aren't applying for the next room lot because, because of whatever, that actually are need those sort of nurturing people around them that maybe haven't got access to them. We need to help them build those networks. We need to help them to, to achieve what sort of, I mean, I'm not saying I'm beyond and end all, but to, to achieve these networks and things like that um, because they are so valuable. Um, my network to me is everything. Um, if I didn't have it, God, I'd be awful, <laughs> in my opinion. But yeah. that's Another um, recruiting um, uh, study that Sandberg uh, are you getting commission in that book, Fiona? I know, I know, I am. Because I'm, I'm mid-reading it. You're that's, like me with fine. rebel ideas. Like honestly, I, I'm expecting <laughs> Matthew side to ring me up and offer shares. I, I yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe we should swap books and, <laughs> and then have a, a, a chat just about about that. Um, but she talks about when uh, people are uh, the difference between recruiting men and women. Men are often recruited. Um, taking a chance in them they're, they're, they're kind of being recruited for for the package and what they can kind of offer and um, uh, offering them that next step up but when women are recruited they're often recruited on um, their experience and their ability to prove that they've done the job before which is crazy because if yeah. you are going up for that next next step up the rung it can be really difficult um, yes. so yeah Find yourself a mentor as well is another piece um, of advice I, mm. and we touched on. I think it's, you know, That's really amazing. important um, for females in particular, but men as well. I think everyone yeah. can benefit from, from having a mentor. 100%. Yeah, I'd agree on that. I think interestingly is some of what you were kind of talking about, like that network, Emily, and like the relationship that you two have as well. It's like, 
just really nice. Well, I re I remember when when I first joined both IOSH and the and, and IFE, it felt quite clicky to me, and it felt quite I would say IFE more so felt mm. quite intimidating. Um, as a quite a young person in fire safety, it was always whenever I was in a call or a meeting with IFE, it was always like, oh, are you new here? I'm like, bitch, I'm fire assessing general hospitals. No, I'm not new here. Thank you very much. Um, and it was always, I don't know, and maybe that's just a legacy thing or maybe that was my own interpretation, but the way you talk about it doesn't sound like that at all now. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's the whole reason why, uh, so it was Andrea White that created the group. It's her, her brainchild, but it was absolutely for that reason that... Um, a little bit of an old boys club <laughs> yeah. and she wanted to create a, a, a safe space yeah. um, for females to um, support each other to share knowledge to inspire um and 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 kind of yeah it's only been going a year um and it's brilliant we've already got almost 400 um members on the linkedin group and it's not exclusively for women, um, but it is there to support women. Um, you know, when we get that 7% up to 50%, then we'll, we'll take off the, the, the women title. But, um, you know, we welcome male allies um, as well. Uh, I, I think it's brought people out of the woodwork as well, most definitely. We regularly see on, on the page, as well as people just, enge you know, engaging with the group, um, that... There are so many men, you know, who work within the IFE, who work within the industry, who are, as soon as this happened, are fully embracing it. Um, and I think that that's the thing when you have an industry which has, has got sort of that reputation that you kind of tar everybody with the same brush. Yeah. And do you know what? Maybe 50 percent of the, the people in that room are not that. Maybe 75 percent aren't. Maybe it's just actually the one person that you spoke to. But but those other people just haven't been put in that position. And then as soon as we, you know, this has been created, it's almost grown arms and legs. And we do have so much, so much support from senior people within the IFE as well, you know, commenting on on topics that have been discussed or the things that are coming up. And they've, they've just lit, embraced it so much, which I think has, has almost made it more amazing. Mm. And given me as well, you know, sitting on the committee that, real oomph to go do you know what this is the right thing and, and the IFE want to do the right thing for the right reasons and awesome. that's what's that's what's made it great really at a time as well where being in a fire engineer or a fire risk assessor is it's been quite scary for like the last oh god how many years to it since Grenfell now like eight years or something is it so like so you know for, I'm, I remember just being in my own experience through that was like okay i i knew how serious this job was but seeing that was just like really really quite scary so having that network i think just for that reason is that little i always see it like a little comfort blanket like i know that i can go to pm for example on one of our calls or i can you know i'm really lucky to have a real awesome network of people on linkedin I'll put a post out or message some people or whatever. And I, I do find most people are really receptive. And interestingly, it's like we, I, I've, I think I'm guilty of towering a lot of people, particularly organizations with the same brush. If I have one or two bad experience, I'm like, no, nah, screw you. I'm off. Um, 
and and but it's it's kind of like I was talking to my barber actually the other day like negative stuff is always more prominent than the positive stuff isn't it so there's those positive people in the woodwork or they're not even in the woodwork they're they're right in front of you but you just maybe assume what I did assume that they were just part of the same old clique when that when actually they're not and I think we can think outside of the the IFE as well when we talk about you know support for 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 women um you know companies like the IFSM um, and of course the the yeah. Women in Safety Awards. So yeah. a shout out for, for Chloe and Kate and the amazing work they've done. So they they ran their first award um, ceremony for women in the fire um, sector yeah. um, just last year. And already it's grown. It's it's um, you know, spiraled um, to it will be an amazing event this year um, to have recognition for women in the industry, um, which I think is a great thing. Awesome. Um, so there's a lot of work going on in, in lots of organisations to kind of help, um, you know, the, the, the gender imbalance, um, which is, yeah, it's a really good time to, to be involved, really. Mm. Yeah. And, and you're seeing more of it, which I think is really important, isn't it? Like, I'm seeing loads of it now, which is great. Like, there's loads of... Of, of women that are women and winning awards or they're they're just being prominent on linkedin or other social media that i work in safety or i work in fire safety or come to this group and that one just, just never happened like five six mm. seven ten years ago um never happened so yeah. that's really good to see i think just to be able to see it particularly as as a student or a, a young kind of woman or even any kind of um, minority group to be able to see someone that you can relate to. Cause I never, I never yeah. saw anyone young that I could look at and go, yeah, that's cool. That's someone cool. that doesn't look <laughs> like my granddad and wearing a shirt and a well, a well iron shirt and a tie. Like I, I wanted to see someone who was wearing scruffs and, and, and not like, you know, all, all smart and uptight. <laughs> um, yeah. So many times I've worked, you know, rocked up the job, or a site or something and uh, you know, had to try and convince them that I was the, the, the fire or the, the safety person coming to to check up yeah yeah, um, yeah. but it's yeah it's 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 changing the mold isn't it you know breaking down those barriers and yeah it's, it's a good yeah. thing and, and I think it's the same within fire and rescue services as well you know what they've seen over years and years and years of you know you ask a five-year-old you know what gender is a firefighter they, they're gonna say a man um, and, and the amount of times when I was working in community fire safety that you go out to schools to do a school talk and they go, are you a fireman woman or, or something <laughs> similar? Because <laughs> they're not quite sure. No, you're not a fireman. You can't be. And, and things like that where, you know, it's right, right from where, when children are very, very young. And, you know, women in the fire service, have uh, you know, done, do a lot of work around that. You've got some really great leaders. Danny Cotton, certainly when she was running under fire brigade, challenged a lot of that, as well as, you yeah. know, you've got Alex Johnson up in um, up in Yorkshire at the moment. And, and I notice a lot of the stuff that they're doing around women in fire safety. And I think that's really, really great that it's across the board within the fire sector. So not only have you got that diversity in terms of jobs and the opportunities, but actually... The diversity that's being pushed in terms of women is great because it's across the sector. It's not just us. It's yeah. all of these different organisations and, and groups that are really pushing, you know, promoting women to, to join up. And you see it within recruits now, um, you know, when, when fire and rescue services are posting, you know, there is a really good mixture coming through 
um, with into fire and rescue services now. Um, and I think that is such a great thing because how much of a better service can they now provide to the public now that they've got that diversity of thoughts, that diversity just in general um, on, on their books and how many more people can they keep safe as a result is, is just yeah. great. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. There's, um Yorkshire Fire Service are on TikTok. Um, I don't know if you. I saw yes. They're really good. <laughs> really they good. are. They are. And there's an. I was gonna. I've, I was literally like, I'm gonna find this. This there's a there's a female firefighter on TikTok as well. I can't remember her name for the life of me, but she just makes loads of videos about being a, a woman firefighter um and she's great and i was like oh i'll find her name and then i remembered the second i click on tiktok it's going to play um <laughs> so i can't do that while it's recording i'll find it i'll find it but yes. she's awesome as well um and, and i think social media is really good that's like mm. there's a lot wrong with social media but ultimately that's what's really good about i, mean, I love tiktok so like so there's loads of like people that are from an ethnic minority or a gender maybe are that that are in a in a role that they're not stereotypically mm-hmm. maybe meant to be in according to the stereotype. Like there's a woman that I follow as well who's a who's a bricklayer. There's a woman I follow who's a who's a lorry driver. And they're awesome. Like they just do awesome content. Mm-hmm. I've just like, this is what it's like to be a lorry driver. Um and this is what it's like. I use most of these things. I follow a few guys that are lorry drivers as well. Uh loads of brickies because I think they're just funny. For me, I use them as a real good insight into like what actually happens at work. Like when we're not, I think they're great insight. I use it for like training and everything. But um, I, yeah, I, lo- I love social media for that. I think it's really good yeah. for stuff like that. Yeah, um, definitely. I think people are being almost empowered to be more themselves as well. So social media is so much of a part of our lives that, you know, it's okay to be you. And I, and I love that that is spreading into the workplace a lot more now, because I think, again, that encourages that diversity, that encourages that diversity of thought, you know, speak your mind, say what you're thinking, just because that might be different to what the boss is thinking doesn't mean it's wrong. It actually means that it's going to, it's going to be better. Um, And that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. Grand. Right. We've been talking for a while. I think I lost track of the time, if I'm honest. So, um, that I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Do you want to um, just, we spoke a lot about the, the network group, but mm-hmm. like, do you just want to give it a, a, a kind of shout out, general summary, how how to join and how to get involved. Um, so if anyone's listening, male, female, um, and uh, uh, they, know, they know where to go and what to do. Yeah, so the, the, the group is primarily on LinkedIn. So you search uh, women in, um, or IFE, women in, in fire engineering um, group. Um, absolutely no restrictions on anyone joining you don't have to be an IFE member Um, all of our uh, events um, we've got a a CPD session every week uh, every month this year Um, a range of different topics completely free um, to anyone um, get involved there are um, lots of support sessions um, and and mentoring sessions um, involved as well so yeah look us up um, or feel free to drop me a line Um, maybe I'll pop a link to the group uh, underneath this 100% um, we will. chat on, on LinkedIn. So I will put it down below as well. So yeah, everyone definitely. listening to this, they can, or watching it, they can jump on there as well. Um, anything, anything else you want to shout out to? Is there any other groups or anything? This is your free moment. You can plug anything <laughs> you like, be it book, be it company, whatever. Um, if there's anything you want to plug, feel free. Yeah. 
just, you know, don't be scared to, you know, stand up as, as a woman, um, shout out for yourself, you know, put in, um, nominate yourself for the Women in Fire Safety Awards um, or another woman uh, that, that you know or work with um, and, and support each other. Um, you know, I think we, we can really achieve a, a lot um, when, we, when we support each other. Wow. No pressure, <laughs> Emily, but that was pretty good from Fiona. I don't know if you want to... <laughs> You want to end it on anything better? I, I probably can't, to be fair. I, I thought the really nice thing about what she said, though, was, you know, going through COVID and everything, I don't know if you guys have felt it too, but I think the world has changed to not necessarily the better with a lot of people. So I think the kinder we can be to each other and the more we can help each other, it's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? So, yeah. Everything she said. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. What a, lovely, what a lovely way to end that. Thank you very much for your time. That was I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Okay, peeps. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, I always quite like those little group group conversations. There's loads more um, that we've got coming in the future around that style. But ultimately, I like the one-to-ones as well. I pretty much just like every conversation we have on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some more out of it. And if you know somebody that is from uh, a minority group or the different gender or so on, typically is of the same race and the same gender in fire safety. So that's what we're trying to promote here. So if you know somebody who is not of those two groups in that, that kind of massive majority, then maybe share this podcast with them and, and kind of use it as a motivational um, point or, or even just a discussion starter to say what about fire safety as a, as a career there's like the engineering route there's the, the kind of management route fire risk assessor you know it's a it's an interesting career I love the fire safety work that we do at Risk Fluent and I have loved fire safety for a long time um so yeah, share this with somebody who's maybe looking for a new career or they're about to start kind of going into their career, maybe even just thinking about what to do at university. This might be a really uh, good podcast for them to listen to. Otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out riskfluentlimited.com. Um, everything for our consultancy is on there. And eventually what I'm going to start doing is bringing all the rebranded safety stuff over from there onto the Risk Fluent now that Risk Fluent is all up and running. But otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.